The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. We don't even realize how much the Word of God affects everything about the way we see things. And I've seen it change people and tribes in such a powerful way. And to think that there are people that don't even have a John 3.16 available to them is just heartbreaking. Mark Matlock is our first-person guest, talking about the need to accelerate the work of Bible translation around the world and what the Seed Company is doing to accomplish that goal. Welcome to this week's interview. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we'll meet Mark in just a moment. For those of you who may be new to our program, this is a weekly visit looking into someone's life, someone who is making a difference in the kingdom of God. These programs are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which is itself making a big difference by getting the gospel message into millions of lives through radio and new forms of media. Take a moment to learn more about the opportunity to help FEBC in this mission by visiting firstpersoninterview.com. Once again, firstpersoninterview.com. The Seed Company, an affiliate of Wycliffe Bible Translators, have launched what they are calling Imagine Zero, aimed at eliminating Bible poverty by mobilizing the local church. Mark Matlock is one of the leaders of this strategy, asking us to imagine zero people in need of God's Word. We'll hear more about it now as you meet Mark, who begins by sharing his own story. Well, there's a lot of places to begin, uh, but I think uh, one of the best places might be uh, as a child. I had a friend whose father was called in the mission field to work with JARS, the Jungle Aviation Radio Service, a support arm of Wycliffe Bible Translators. That began in my heart a real passion for praying and being aware of just kind of what was going on in the world missions-wise on a personal level as, as, a, as a very young child. And there's also a guy in my youth group who, uh, in my dad's youth group, who uh did magic tricks. And he made me memorize Bible verses in order to teach him magic tricks. And he went on to be a translator with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And I began praying for Bible translation and for for him and his family as well at a very young age. And that kind of planted in my heart kind of a direction of how, you know, what is God doing in the world? And and the fact that his word isn't available to all peoples. Uh, As a young boy, that was just remarkable. And I think it helped me fall in love more deeply with God's Word. I went to Biola University, studied uh, missions there, thought I might be an anthropological consultant. But along the way, the magic thing actually pulled me into youth ministry. And so that, that's just kind of the background. But in the background of all of that, youth ministry work, uh, I was still involved in Bible translation, helping connect teenagers to the larger uh, movement of what God was doing. Uh, but also, I served on the board of a new organization that Wycliffe had spun out called the Seed Company and had gotten very, very passionately involved in seeing God doing something just really fresh and new in the world. Through my service on the board there at the Seed Company, just got really connected to the Bible translation movement uh, and what was happening there. I think that kind of in some ways takes us to where we are today. Yeah, it's very interesting. It, it's interesting to me that it, it started with Bible translation or a Bible translator and kind of came full circle for you. It did. Almost everything <laughs> that I did in my life was a result of, uh, 
of, of this, this guy, Craig, who uh, invested in me as a young, you know, little kid, really. And, uh, and it led me to youth ministry. It led me back to Bible translation. So, yeah, it, it all kind of has that kind of an element to it, even though I've never actually served like I thought I would, right? Uh, you know, as an actual missionary on the field. Yeah. Well, you are serving in a real, real capacity now. We'll talk about that as the conversation goes on here. But I also got to ask you about that magic. Uh, do you have any magic that will play on radio? <laughs> no, never mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually <laughs> floating right now. <laughs> so you haven't lost I'm, the touch. I'm passing huh? a hoop around me. Yeah, yeah. In just a minute, I'm going to make an elephant appear. Ooh, in the that's ring. remarkable. Yeah, you wow. Awesome. <laughs> you had me totally fooled there. Wow. <laughs> Pretty impressive, isn't it? So you've kept the skills up. Up, huh? <laughs> you know, I actually, uh, I actually got back into it when I was in college. Uh, I became a member of the Magic Castle in Beverly Hills, California, and uh, my, my real reason for for being involved was actually just to be around non Christians. Being at Biola was the first time I'd ever been in, in a pretty much a predominantly Christian environment, twenty four seven, and um, being a part of that club just gave me access to connect with people in the world. You know, while we were, you know, splitting theological atoms around the lunch table at Biola, (laughs) uh, it was nice to go out and just hear where people were just kind of struggling with really, just really basic things of faith, you know, and trust and where they were hurting. And it just kind of, for me, kept me grounded in what it meant to live out my faith, uh, every day. Hmm. And I'm sure most people understand that Biola is a Bible college in Los Angeles. So just to explain that, um, you mentioned the seed company. We want to go in that direction. What What is the seed company? It's really part of Wycliffe, isn't it? Well, it's an independent organization. Um, Wycliffe showed a lot of wisdom in how they uh, created this. They started realizing that there was something new going on in the world. Traditionally, the way Bible translation happened is somebody who came from, you know, typically a Western background, um, either Europe or, or the U.S., uh, would feel called to the mission field to do Bible translation. They would go and they would spend uh, quite a, a lengthy period of time uh, doing the very arduous work that is Bible translation. And um, it would, you know, cost uh, quite a, a large amount of money, and it took a long time to accomplish. But as the volume of Bible translations were increasing and uh, globalization was happening. Technology was spreading. We were learning more about linguistics. God started doing something where we started seeing people that maybe had access to the word of God in a language that they'd learned uh, in, in, in maybe some work they were doing within a country um, doing their own translations and trying to figure out how to support that. And so we started seeing these mother tongue translators rising up around the world that God was calling to this work. And so Wycliffe said, we, we don't know how to support these folks. Uh, this is a different model. So they kind of created this little spinoff uh, called the Seed Company. It was a skunk works to try and figure out what God was doing and, and how to handle this other model of, uh, of translation that was emerging. We called it at the time Paradigm B, uh, Bible Translation. And basically, what we found was that we could leverage not just financial resources, but the intellectual resources of the cumulative Bible translation movement um, to actually accelerate Bible translation. And 
when I started on the board at the seed company, I think we were involved in a couple hundred languages and we were, we were wondering, we were dreaming. I think the first meeting I was at, could we actually be involved in 500 languages? <laughs> uh, the board chairman asked, what if we could do a thousand languages? The money came in and we had the ability to do that. What would happen? And what we realized real quickly was that we wouldn't be, wouldn't be possible, even if we had the money. Um, that capacity-wise, infrastructure-wise, we didn't have what it would take to support it. So we began focusing on some of those issues. And what I saw happen just over a short period of time was we went from you know being in a couple hundred languages to just, uh, you know, this was uh, back in 2001, um, we just celebrated entering into our 1500th project, language project, uh, back in February. So you know, there's this accelerating thing that God is doing. And out of that came some, something that's come to be known as the common framework, which is a way of uh, projectizing Bible translation projects that meet the needs of the people so that they make impact faster, uh, but the translations are done more accurately and, uh, and, and efficiently and faster than they've ever been done before. And this common framework has pretty much been adopted by the larger Bible translation community, and we all work together. So there's a lot of partnering going on. Um, the seed company almost always has, uh, we have 1,500 partners that we work with, uh, but we're almost always at least three, if not more, uh, partners on any project that we're doing um, in, in making this happen. So it's, it's very collaborative what's happening out there right now. It's very exciting. I would imagine that technology is playing a part in this too. Well, yeah, technology's huge. You know, back in the day, translators used to keep these shoe boxes with all these cards in them. And you can imagine, you know, the kind of work that you'd have to do to just kind of organize, you know, your language, your, your passages, these sort of things. And one of the first software programs developed for Bible translation was actually called Shoebox because it helped emulate <laughs> the shoebox. <laughs> and just that innovation in and of itself uh, created more resilient Bible translation, just the ability to share information. Um, they came to understand that there were gateway languages, that if those languages, they were, they were kind of like core or central to several others, and if they could translate those gateway languages, they could use the core of what they learned there to be able to use technology to do translation uh, even uh, quicker. And so they have computer-assisted translation uh, that they use uh, in, in a lot of ways. And they started clustering projects together as well, collaboratively. So they might have five or six languages being translated uh, in a group and community. And uh, because these languages are in proximity to one another, it actually accelerates the process. But technology, just, just even the ability to Skype people, um, to take a, a, a seasoned translator who maybe spent 10 or more years, 20 years on the field, they have all this wisdom that they've encountered, all of this proficiency, all this intellectual capital, and then they need to retire because family circumstances has changed. They can't return or, uh, to, or take on another translation just because of where they're at in life. Uh, but now, through technology, they can actually oversee maybe five or more translations hmm. uh, that are being done by mother tongue translators. So it's, once again, just leveraging the cumulative impact of what's going on out there um, through what God has already done. We'll talk more with Mark Matlock about The Seed Company and Imagine Zero coming up on First Person. You never heard the good news 
on FBC station, I tried praying to Jesus for the first time. Life is difficult, but Christ is helping me see things differently. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC, telling more listener stories, while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Mark Matlock, and uh, Mark is with The Seed Company and part of something brand new called Imagine Zero. And I want to focus in on that for the remainder of our time together, Mark. Let's let's talk about Imagine Zero. You're asking us to imagine zero people in need of God's Word. Isn't that the, the way this is going? Yeah, and imagining zero is sometimes a painful thing, as some creatives tell me, um, that it actually hurts them to try to imagine nothing. <laughs> uh, but, but what we really mean is... Uh, is zero people that don't have access to God's word. So we're really looking at, you know, eliminating Bible poverty in our world so that every person has access to the word of God in a language that they prefer to speak in. You know, when I started working with the seed company as a, a member of their board, you know, we're, there's several thousand languages that were still in need of, of translation. And we've now gotten to a point where, well, and back in that time, in the, uh, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, Wycliffe put together a vision statement called Vision 2025. And the idea was, could we set as a, a goal in front of us as we're thinking to, to kind of challenge our imaginations? What would it take to have a translation uh, of the New Testament completed or begun in every language that needed one by 2025. And how many languages? Some 7,000, I'm told? There's 7,000 languages in the world today and uh, uh, that, are, that, are kind of, that are active, that we know of. And, um, and there's about somewhere between uh, 1,600 and 2,000 that are in need of scripture. A lot of it depends on how you count languages. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, sign language that aren't considered um, uh, registered languages with a, with a code that the, that's used to kind of codify languages, but we would consider them languages because that would be how somebody prefers to communicate. So depending on how you classify languages, uh, there can be a little bit of a range, but, uh, but we believe that it is humanly possible if God should bless it and allow this to happen, that it is reasonable to believe that we can have uh, translations started and, uh, and in progress within less than a decade or in, within a decade. And so that's kind of an exciting moment when you think about the Great Commission and what Jesus asked us to do before he ascended into heaven, um, that, that God's word could be available to, to everybody in their heart language. Yeah, right now there are millions of people who don't have uh, the Bible. They, they don't have uh, the Gospel of John or anything else to read in their own language. So they're, they're, this is really aimed at them. It, it really is. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that we've learned, you know, in missiological studies is that you can plant, you can, um, you can plant a church without scripture, but it's really hard to sustain a church without scripture. And so we know that, that fundamental to, uh, to, to life change, we've got to have the word of God available to people in their language. And we believe that that's, that that's within reach. So what we're doing with Imagine Zero, which is a 
a kind of a program that we're doing at the seed company is we're trying to unite the church because we believe that this is going to require all of the church uh, working together. You know, the one thing that unites us, there's so many things that divide us today, but the one thing that unites us is, is, is how we come to, to know and understand God through his word. And so we believe that if, if God so moves us to be united, that we could actually reach zero and, and, uh, and do that if we can imagine it today and, and think about how we incorporate that into our daily practices and our churches, that we could actually reach zero. So you are networking with pastors and lay people alike, aren't you? Yes, we've got, you know, there's movements going on all over of business people, marketplace leaders that uh, are helping to back and, and support this work. Um, the, the Green family uh, at, at Hobby Lobby and Museum of the Bible, they are uh, have been really, God's used them in an amazing way to elevate the Bible in our culture and in our church. Uh, that's been a significant part of this. But there's also, but this really requires every person in the pew saying, I care about people having access to the Word of God. Uh, no one individual or group of individuals is going to be able to do it except for the body of Christ uh, all working together. And it's exciting because the church is growing outside of the United States. Uh, it's actually the global church not just the church in the U.S., uh, but the global church that's all involved in doing this work in different ways and um, providing what resources they have available to them to make this happen. Yeah. I saw one video where a church, I'm sure there are many churches who've done this, but one church, for instance, chose a specific language, a language virtually unknown to me. I'd never heard of it before, but they decided that they would sponsor the translation of the entire book of John for that, for that community, that, that language group. Is that unusual? Uh, no, we're seeing it happen more and more, and that's part of what we're doing with this Imagine Zero campaign is giving uh, churches the ability to do projects like this within their own congregation. Uh, what this church did was they actually posted the entire book of John with little lines next to it, and what we've come to, to realize is that the gap between, in the ecosystem of Bible translation, right, uh, people are supporting individual uh, missionaries, Bible translators, uh, different efforts like that. But if you look at the gap that kind of exists between all of those people being supported and then what it takes to translate a verse, it's about $35 a verse. So what they would do is they'd say, hey, if you'll you know contribute $35, you can sign your name next to one of these verses and take it off the, the, the list of, 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 you know, people in need of God's word. And Churches are doing this, and even if you can't do an entire New Testament, to just to be able to do a passage or, uh, or, or or something like that symbolically is really really important. And we're seeing churches rise up and do that, and it's really exciting. It it also helps the congregation connect to God's word. Yeah, just like I started telling you about how when I was a, a young child, realizing that people didn't have the Bible made me value the Bible even more. Um, our our congregants and our churches don't really completely understand how many languages there are in the world. The average American churchgoer thinks there's about a hundred languages in the world. Um, and so to understand that need values, helps us value the word as we're providing it and offering it to other people. All right. Something else that Imagine Zero is doing is you're, you're holding some summits around the country. Can we talk about that? Who are these summits for and what do they, what do they accomplish? Well, what we, you know, what we really want to do is really resource the church. We, we believe that, that, that from the church, there are probably even better ideas than we could come up with, right? Uh, in terms of how to how to activate and, and accomplish this. So, what we've been doing is we we had a 
nationwide study done by the Barna Group to try and understand how are people thinking about missions, Bible translation, what's their awareness, what's their knowledge. We interviewed pastors, we interviewed interviewed um, uh, churchgoers, and then we interviewed just the American public in general. And some of those insights uh, gave us a lot of hope for how pastors could help ignite their, their churches. So what we're doing at these summits is we're sharing some of the insights from that research, uh, but we're also having conversations um, around tables, just talking about what, what would this mean? What could we do? How could we impact our own congregation, but the world as well? Because let's face it, you know, when I sat in front of a group of pastors, they all, hey, we want to end Bible poverty for people in the world, but I've got some Bible poverty in my own pews. So we talk about that too. How, how can we, um, you know, engage people with the Word of God that are attending our churches right now? So it's a real great, just, you know, we, we start about nine in the morning and go to about one. And it's just a great time of, of gathering local pastors and leaders together, missions pastors uh, who are passionate about this or are curious about it. And um, just looking at information, and we resource them. We give them sermon outlines. We give them different strategies they can use if they want to be involved somehow. But we're also listening because we're also hearing from people ideas that we never even thought of before. And so it's been really kind of, we're trying to create a community around this. I know you have other summits planned, but I noticed there are four coming up. Uh, a couple here in September, Houston, September 20, Indianapolis, September 26, and then a couple in October, Cleveland, October 9, and Minneapolis, October 10. Uh, where do people go to learn more about this? And you said it's for pastors and church leaders? Yeah, pastors, church leaders, anybody who's really you know passionately involved, interested in this, uh, would would be more than welcome to come. Um, we never know how God's gonna gonna use people. You know, we had a a, a a a woman come who was a stay-at-home mom, and she immediately said, "Oh, I think I'm out of place here. Uh, this looks like it's more pastors." And I said, "Well, you know, just hang in there. You know, I mean, this is all we're all God's people." And uh, at the end, she said, "You know what? I've got a women's Bible study." We're gonna we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take a chapter of the Bible and we're gonna try and rally people around this and so they did and so you never know but uh, but yes it's designed primarily for for pastors mission pastors um, to attend uh, and it's free uh, we we do this as a, a service to the church and um, yeah it, we really hope that pastors will come and attend we've done fifteen already this year and. Uh, we keep putting more on the schedule, but uh, those that you mentioned in Cleveland, Minneapolis, and uh, Houston are, are coming up this fall. And we will put a link to all of the upcoming Imagine Zero local church summits on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. It's an exciting and ambitious project that we want you to know about. Again, for details, go to firstpersoninterview.com and follow the links provided. Our guest has been Mark Matlock, and you can also learn more about Mark at our website. Radio works hand-in-hand hand with God's Word, and the Far East Broadcasting Company makes that connection every day in nearly 50 countries of the world, always broadcasting in the local language, reaching millions of people every day with the gospel. The stories of changed lives are remarkable, and you can see and hear just a few of them when you visit firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for FEBC. You'll be amazed at the power of God to reach deep into often hard-to-reach countries. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. 